not quite, just, just under a year, we're going to finish out 1 Corinthians. Here we go, 1 Corinthians 16. I promise you, we're going to make it all the way through this week. Stone, thanks for preaching last week. It's always good. It's always refreshing to hear from you. Um, and it's refreshing for me to just have some time to just sit uh, and just be in, uh, in worship. So thanks for doing that, Stone. You are a real pastor, by the way, all right? Don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise. Yeah. All right, church, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Here's what we got today. Paul's going to finish out this letter to the church in Corinth. Now, regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, remember they had sent somebody to Paul, and they had all these different questions and things going on in the church, and so they had this question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem. You should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. So God gave a, or Paul gave a procedure to all the churches that he helped establish. He was an apostle. He established churches. That was what he did. And so here was his procedure. On the first day of each week, Sunday, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. You should each. It wasn't just the wealthy. It was everyone. You each put aside a portion a tithe, an offering, that's what we do as a church body. If you're a part of this family, we tithe and we give here. And we, you know, it doesn't have to be on the first of the week, exactly like what Paul is saying. Pay periods and all that look a little different than they did back then in Corinth. But what we do is we set aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once when I come I will write letters of recommendation for the messengers you choose to deliver your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems appropriate for me to go along, they can travel with me. So there's some things that, some misconceptions in the church, uh, sometimes we, we kind of lose sight of. But when it comes to three areas, uh, if you look at Matthew 6, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I'm going to tell you three things that Jesus said about his people that what they will do. And he, he, said, he said it this way. He said, when you give, so the church will give. And he said, when you pray. And he said, when you fast. So the church will give, the church will pray, and the church will fast. Matthew 6, 1 through 16. You can go and look at that later. He didn't say, if you give, if you feel like giving, if you choose to give. He said, when you give. He didn't say, if you pray. He didn't say, ah, if you feel like praying, if you feel like being in conversation and dialogue and relationship with me. And he didn't say, if you fast. He said, when. It was an expectation of the church, of God's people. And so uh, here at Revival, and there's churches all across the country and the world that do this, uh, but I, I love this. Uh, churches all around right now are starting or have started a 21-day uh, period of Fasting and prayer. And so revival, we're doing the same thing. We're, we're kicking ours off tomorrow, and we're running all the way through Sunday the 29th. 21 days of the church unified, our, our corporate body all together in prayer and fasting. And so if you want to be a part of that, uh, it's really easy. We can, uh, we can get you the, the text sign up. All you got to do is text. I think we got it up here. Text REVIVAL21 
that your Bible audio? Man, is it preaching? That's nice. I like that. Yeah. Helping me preach right now. Uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you just text REVIVAL21 to the number 94,000, you'll receive uh, our, our guide of scripture that we're going to use for these 21 days. And one of the things that we're going to do as we're praying and fasting together as a church is we're going to get into God's word. And so for each day, uh, we have scripture designated for all of these 21 days. And this year for the scripture, I asked uh, a lot of our core leaders in the church uh, that are involved in different areas, uh, whether it's worship or kids ministry or elders and uh, all these different areas. I asked them, hey, what's one verse or one passage that God has used to speak into your life? And so you're going to find some of these verses listed as we go through these 21 days. Uh, But I, I would challenge you as you're thinking about what it is, spend some time today, you know, just praying into this, talking to God, uh, a fast can look different. It can look a lot of different ways. For some of you, I mean, it, it's going to be really obvious, like God is, you know, going to say something like, you know, he might not be saying, man, you need to go 21 days without any food at all. He might say, for some of you, uh, you know, go 21 days without coffee, or go 21 days uh, without social media. You know, for some of us, that could, that could feel crazy, that could feel insane. But what we do is when we get rid of something from our regular life, our regular daily schedule, all of a sudden it creates room and time that we can spend with him, that we can spend in relationship with him. I will tell you, there is something powerful and spiritual about giving up food. There is just something different about that. And and that might seem overwhelming, and you need to be aware of what kind of situation you are in life. My wife, she's pregnant. She should not give up eating for 21 days. You know, you need to be aware of that. You, you know, we're all in different situations health-wise. But maybe there's something, you know, simpler or, you know, kind of a first step of fasting that he wants you to take. Maybe it's just giving up fast food for 21 days. Or maybe it's just giving up food with sugar in it, which is most of the American diet, for 21 days. It can look a lot of different ways. Uh, one of the ways I heard about interest... Uh, uh, recently, and I was talking to one of my friends in the church about this today, uh, that him and his wife are doing, and that I, I like, and that I, I've chosen to adapt for my 21 days, is from sun up to sundown, he's going to fast. And so they've actually already started theirs, but from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., I know in Nebraska, sun up to sundown, it's always different, it's always changing. But around that time, he's going to fast, and he and his wife are fasting and praying and spending that time together. And so they're doing a meal together at night. And so for me, uh, that's what God's put on my heart this year for this 21 days. Uh, and, I, and I'll tell you, don't beat yourself up over fasting. Like it's really easy to get into it and day one, you've already cheated and you had an Oreo or you said you weren't gonna do coffee and you're already like chugging two coffees. Like don't beat yourself up after day one and be like, all right, that's it, I'm done. Jump back in on day two fail again. Jump back in on day three, fail again. But that's okay because keep working towards it. It's a discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. Too many of us, just like when the new year hits and we want to start getting healthy and eating right and exercising, too many of us get one week in and we fail or we miss a day and we're like, that's it. I'm done for the year. I already messed up. No, no, no. It's a discipline. We work at it. We work towards it. And so this is what we're going to do as a church. And, uh, you know, there's a lot biblically when you look into it fasting-wise why we do it. But I'll tell you, there are some important things that God will do. But one of the things he will do is it humbles ourselves before the Lord. 
When you fast, when you deny yourself, you're putting him first. You're denying your flesh. And when you deny your flesh, you become very aware of God in those moments. And you start to realize some of the things that you thought you could never get past, you could never gain control of, you start to hear his voice loudly and clearly, and you start to walk closer to him when you begin to fast. Psalm 35, 13 uh, says this, yet when they were ill, I grieved for them. I denied myself by fasting for them, but my prayers returned unanswered. Ezra 8, 21 says this, and there by the Ahava Canal, I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. We humble ourselves before God. I like that Psalm one because sometimes I, I think we think of fasting as, oh, if I fast in prayer, uh, if I fast and pray over what I want this year in 2023, God's gonna give me what I want. I'm gonna manifest it, right? Like there's a lot of people that go into fasting and prayer like that. I'm just gonna get whatever I want. I'm gonna get my desires of my heart. What, what happened there? I denied myself by fasting for them, but my prayers returned unanswered. Does that mean the fast was pointless? It didn't work? It was useless? No, 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 no. Fasting and prayer, whether we get what we want, it's not about that. It's about denying ourselves to be with him, not to get from him. There you go. If you're taking notes today, there you go. Fasting is not about getting what we want. It's about being with him, listening to him, following him, learning to hear and discern his voice. That's why we get into scripture during this time, because the more we get into scripture, the more clearly we are able to discern his voice, because the Holy, the Holy Spirit still speaks to us. And there are things that are going to bubble up, and they're going to be more loud and clear than they've been in your life when you begin to fast, especially if you start to fast in this season from the noise of this world. Some of us in here, you need to fast from Netflix. You need to fast from Amazon Prime or music. You need to set that stuff to the side and sit in silence and solitude. And all of a sudden, you're going to start to notice the world that you've always been accustomed to that's loud and noisy and and crazy, when you begin to quiet yourself and humble yourself before the Lord, you'll start to hear his voice speaking to you. And then you discern his voice, his Holy Spirit, by the word of God. That Ezra 8, 21, let me finish that one. And there by the Ahava Canal, I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. We prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children, and our goods as we travel. Pray and fast. Pray over protection. Pray over your kids, even your possessions. We don't hold tightly to possessions in this world, but you can pray about them in this season. And so for Scripture, as you get this list, when you sign up for this revival Scripture list, and we'll put it on social media. Some of you, you're fasting from social media. You've already decided. Don't look there. Get the, get the revival text, all right? Revival 21, 94,000. Uh, but we're going to give you one piece of uh, scripture, one passage for each day. But let me tell you a little bit about this. When you go through it, uh, I, I would challenge you to sit and do this. Here you go. Once again, if you're taking notes, just write out S-O-A-P-D, soaped, no E, all right? Soaped during this, okay? Here's what soaped is. It's scripture, and then as you're reading the scripture, you write down your observations, and then the A is application. You write down what God is saying to you from this word, how he wants you to apply it to your life. 
And then the P is prayer. You begin to pray that over your life, that scripture, that passage, that truth that he wants you to apply to it. And then D is declare. Start to declare it over your life. Once again, here at Revival, we tell people to do a lot of things that the rest of the world would be like, that that sounds crazy. I'm telling you, start declaring it out loud. When you are in your car, people are like, that sounds crazy. I'm supposed to be talking to myself in the car? Yes. Neurosurgeons, they know this. They're starting to do studies, and like these studies have been going on for a while now. But when you begin to verbally say things, your nerve center is controlled by your speech center. And so when you begin to verbally say things, when you begin to declare things, when you begin to declare God's truth in your life, your body physically is changing. Everything around you begins to change. Your mindset begins to change. A lot of people use that. They've stolen this this, uh, this biblical principle about declaring it, about the power of, life, uh, power of life and death being in the tongue, they've stolen that and they've taken it and made it their own. And, you know, they call it positive leadership or, you know, positive, you know, whatever, positive, positivity coach. There's all kinds of terms for it now in the secular world. And it works because it's a biblical principle because this is how God designed us. But when we start to declare God's truth over our lives, even if we don't fully believe it yet, even if we haven't fully grasped it and held on to it yet, it's beginning to change us from the inside out. Start declaring God's truth. Some of you, your marriage right now, it is struggling. Start declaring God's truth in 2023. God is going to restore our marriage. God is going to revive our marriage. God is going to bring us closer together in 2023 than we've ever been. Start declaring that to the enemy too because guess what? The enemy, he hears you. The enemy, he can't hear what's going on in here. When you begin to declare it, you are taking back spiritual authority. Start declaring it in the name of Jesus. Some of you, you have felt like food has had a control over your life, your entire life, and you can't stop eating. You want to quit, and and the idea of fasting sounds impossible to you because you know food owns you. You start declaring it right now for the next 21 days, and then for the rest of my life, I have power over the flesh through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Start declaring that out loud and speaking it. Take ownership of God's truth in your life. First Corinthians 6. I'm going to get back to fasting. I'm finishing. I'm really, I'm, I'm doing two sermons today. I'm talking about fasting and prayer, but I got to finish First Corinthians because we've been here too long. Nah, it hasn't been too long. I love it. Here's verse 5. Here's what Paul says, I'm coming to visit you after I have been to Macedonia, for I'm planning to travel through Macedonia. Perhaps I'll stay a while with you, possibly all winter, and then you can send me on my way to my next destination. This is what Paul did. He traveled around. He did ministry. He helped establish churches. He went back to churches he had established. He encouraged them. He built them up. This time, I don't want to make just a short visit and then go right on. I want to come and stay a while if the Lord will let me. In the meantime... I'll be staying here at Ephesus until the festival of Pentecost. There is a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. There is a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. Our our new series we're kicking off next week, it's perfect because it it transitions right out of Corinthians. Uh, It's a series called Doors. 
And there are times in your life that God is going to open a door and he's going to make it so obvious you know you are supposed to walk through it. But even with open doors, it, it takes a step of faith because there is, what does Paul say there? There are many who oppose him. There will still be opposition. Even when there's an open door, even when God opens a door, there will still be opposition from the adversary. And so there's still fear. And it still takes faith to step forward through the doors God opens. And so in this season of fasting and prayer, I I would start praying in to this idea of open doors. What are the doors God has opened with you in your lives right now that he is telling you to walk through? What's that step of faith that you've been holding back on and you know he's nudging you towards it, but you're afraid of failure? You're afraid of what could happen to that relationship? You're afraid of losing that person? You're more afraid of losing that relationship with that person than you are whether or not they are solidified in their relationship with God. I know exactly what that's like. We care more, what we're doing right there is we care more about ourselves and how we look to people than what we actually care about someone and their eternity. Truly, that's what that is. We don't really care about them by denying what God has put it on our heart to say to that person in love and truth and grace. And so there are some of us in here, God has opened a door for you to speak truth into somebody's life. And it's the most loving thing you can do, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like if I say this truth to this person that God has put on my heart to speak and say, it could ruin this relationship. It could separate us for life. There's that fear keeping you from walking through that door of what God has called you to do in that relationship. Don't let your fear of what that person thinks or your relationship with them keep you from doing what God has called you to do and to speak into that relationship. You might be the only person in that person's life that can speak truth in love and grace in this moment. And they might hate you in the moment, but God will use your obedience. It will be a seed in that person's life and he will water it and he will grow it and he will bring it to fruition. Trust him and walk through those doors when he opens them this year. There's too many times we stay quiet in our relationships because we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to stir things up. We just want to keep the peace, but we're not called to be peacekeepers. We're called to be peacemakers. Making peace is far more difficult than just keeping the peace. Speak the truth when God opens a door. Don't be afraid to walk through it. Fasting will bring us into a deeper and more intimate and powerful relationship with the Lord And so when we are discerning these doors, if we are fasted and prayed up, all of a sudden it's going to become more clear and more obvious and we're going to be more bold as we walk through the doors he's opening this year. So let's get fasted and prayed up together as a church. Fasting is an act of humility before God to seek his divine intervention in the events of our physical world. It brings revelation by the Holy Spirit of our true spiritual condition leading to brokenness repentance, and change. Fasting and prayer brings transformation. That's what it does. It leads us to this place of humility and then brokenness, repentance, and change. Fasting transforms prayer into a richer, more personal experience and will draw us closer in relationship to God. There's a 
three, uh, three purposes for fasting. And I mentioned there's lots of different types of fast. And so even at the end today, uh, when the worship team comes back up here and you have this moment to reflect on what God is doing and speaking into your life right now, just ask him. What do you want me to fast from in this season? Like right now, like already the Holy Spirit's already speaking something. There's something bubbling up inside of you, and it's really obvious. You know it. It's so obvious, and he is putting it on you, and you're like, no, I can't give that up. I need that for work, or no, 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 I can't give that up. I need that for communication, or no, I, I got to work out. I need food. I can't be doing that. You know, all these different excuses are coming to your mind, but you know what the Holy Spirit is speaking right now. He's bubbling up inside of you, and he is telling you, for 21 days, set this aside and give me that time. Give me your first. Give me your best. And listen to my voice. Purposes for fasting. One is to seek answers from God. Some of us in here, we've been asking God questions. We're not sure. We're wondering about the open doors. Last week, I, I can't remember where I was at, but it was like one of those big glass buildings. I don't know why I can't remember what building it was, but I was like walking in the door and I was opening the door up and I saw this other guy, he was walking out the door and it was like, you know, huge, you know, glass uh, building and, and I'll tell you what, they kept those windows pristine and so I'm opening up this door to go in and this guy thinks he's walking out and he smacks right into the window, like right next to me. Oh, it was bad. He was just like, <laughs> you know, it was like when a bird hits it and doesn't know what just happened. Sometimes there are moments where you think you're walking into a door God is open and it's a window, all right, and the window is closed, okay? Uh, a season of prayer and fasting will help you discern the doors from the closed doors, the open doors from the closed doors, the, the doors from the windows that look clean, they look open, but man, they don't walk through them, okay? This is a season to discern and ask him and pray in to what he is telling you and what he's speaking into your life. Here at our church, I would tell you, uh, for revival, God has opened a, a door, and, and we've been discerning whether or not it truly is a door from him, or whether or not it's just, you know, a window that looks like a door. And so a few months back, I'll just give you a little bit of this story, but really all the way back to 21 days of prayer and fasting last year, one of the things that the Holy Spirit stirred up inside of me to start praying for was that, that, God, that we would just trust that God has a building set aside for us to be our home. And one of the things, you know, he put on me was this idea of crazy, stupid faith to believe that he would give it to us for free. And so I started praying for that, and I started, you know, telling our elders that and telling our leaders, and, and I started believing for that last year when we started this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And there was a church that reached out and began this relationship with us, and essentially one of the things that they said they wanted to do is they were struggling, and they were, you know, right around 10 or 12 people uh, but they wanted to combine with our church, that was their desire, and to give us their building for free. The only problem was it was in Waterloo, Nebraska. And, 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 but it was clear to us that God had opened some kind of door there, and it was also clear to me that I needed to be more specific in 2023 when I prayed. God, will you give us this building this year? May it be in the heart of the city where you've called us to be. We know that you've called us here, but you've opened a door here in this area. And so our, our leaders, 
uh, we've been praying into this church in Waterloo, and we've been building this relationship and talking with them. And we kept asking God, God, just close this door. Just close this door if you don't want us to do anything, if this isn't the spot. Just close this door if this was just, you know, not from you, uh, but just, you know, maybe a, a sidestep that we're supposed to avoid. He has not closed that door, and he's kept it open, and he's built this relationship until finally he, he gave me a different vision for what this can look like. And so I began to realize, he, he told me, uh, this is right around Thanksgiving time, uh, he put this on me, this idea of planting another church out there. We know that this isn't where revival is supposed to be, but it's where revival can happen in Waterloo. I believe God is doing something and there's a movement going on and he's opened a door for ministry, just like what Paul says there in 1 Corinthians. He's opened a door for us. And it would be fearful for us to not walk through it until he says to stop. And so our, our leaders, our elders, we've been praying about this. We've been talking about this together. And finally, he, he just put this idea on me around Thanksgiving uh, just a few months ago. But, I mean, he, he was really clear. Sometimes he's really clear in the way he speaks. And he said, revival right here, this church, it began on a worship interest night in February on the coldest night of the year. And it, all it took him was February, March, April. It took him less than three months to build up a church. And we began gathering together as a church on Easter Sunday. And so he told me in Thanksgiving, he said, I'm giving you five months instead of three. I'm giving you even more this time to work with. We can launch Revival Waterloo on Easter Sunday of this year, and it will only be because he's in on it. Seriously, that's it. It's not us. It's nothing special about us. All we have to do is just be obedient to walking through the doors he opens. And so I, our leaders, uh, Brandon and Justin and Andrew, we went out there last week and we met with their leadership and we presented this vision, this idea, and we said, hey, we believe God's opened a door for ministry here. We believe that he is calling for a revival to happen in this place, and we want to help you make that a possibility. And so we had a great initial uh, conversation into this, uh, and uh, I'm just asking our church, if you guys would begin to pray and fast during this next 21 days about what God is doing in Waterloo that he would open all the right doors. We told this church, we know a couple things that you're gonna need. You're gonna need a launch team because there was a group of people that came and you've been a part of it since the very beginning because God called you into this church. He called you to be a part of what he's doing here. And so we had an amazing launch team. And then we know that they're gonna need a pastor, somebody that's called to that area to lead that church to be the pastor there in Waterloo. And so if you would be praying for those two things, and we believe if God opens up the door for a launch team of 60 or more, and if he will bring a pastor in these next three months, we're believing for just an, an incredible movement of God to happen in Waterloo. And we get to be a part of it. We get to help. We get to cheer them on. Just like what Paul is doing here. He didn't stay in Corinth. He helped plant the church in Corinth and he moved on, but he still cheered them on. He was still connected. And Corinth, what they would do and what Paul would do is they would send people back and forth and they would encourage and build each other up. And so that's what we are hoping to do with Waterloo. 
We believe revival's a movement of God and he is doing it all over and we want to be obedient when he opens a door and walk through it by faith until we hit the window. <laughs> if we hit a window and we fail, that's all right too. Because I believe that even through our failures, even through our shortcomings, and when we fall, God teaches us something. But right now, we keep going up and we keep kind of putting our hand out, and it, it's not a window yet. It's still a door. We haven't smacked our faces yet. And so we have to keep going forward by faith. So if you would join us in praying over these next 21 days into what's going on in Waterloo, praying for a pastor and praying for a core, a launch team to help get a new church started. Because that's our heart. That's our heart. We're a church plant, and we want to be a church plant that helps plant other churches because we believe the church is where people come and are connected to the heart of God. And we believe there is blessing in his house. We want to get people connected to the heart and the house. All right, guys, it's 11 o'clock. I got to fly if we're going to finish Corinthians here. Ezra 8, 21 through 23. I already read uh, 21, so I'll jump to 22. Here's what it says in Ezra. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king, our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him, but his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us, and he heard our prayer. We fast and we pray, and God hears us. Acts 13, 1 through 4 among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man. That's what it says in scripture, all right? I don't know if that's politically correct. That's how they talked back then. Lucius from Cyrene, Manum, the childhood companion of King Herod, Antipas, and Saul. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, when you are worshiping the Lord and when you are fasting, the Holy Spirit speaks and you hear him more clearly. They heard him say, appoint Barnabas and Saul to the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. When we make big decisions as a church, we fast and pray. And then we fast and pray some more. When God gives you an answer, if God gives you an answer on day two of fasting and prayer, like Tuesday this week, God gives you the answer you've been looking for and that you've fasted and prayed for for two days, you don't just stop. Keep going. Keep fasting and praying. Keep going next level. Keep going deeper in intimacy with him. Another purpose of fasting is to pray on behalf of others, to intercede. So we're going to intercede. If you don't know who to intercede for, ask the Holy Spirit. He'll put somebody on your mind. I've already given you a group of people to intercede for also. This, this group of people in Waterloo, the people who are far from God that need to know him, that need to know what he's done and what he is doing, and the revival is coming. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Intercede for people. Intercede for those in authority in our world. Whether you agree with them or disagree with them, whether you voted or didn't vote for them, intercede for them. Number three, third purpose of fasting and prayer, to break through in difficult situations. Galatians 5, 16 through 17. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. 
then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. When you fast, especially from food, you are starving the flesh, but you are feeding the Spirit. Starve the flesh and feed the Spirit. If there's something in the flesh that you feel like you cannot get a hold of, you can't get a handle of, you have struggled and fallen back time and time again, fasting and prayer is a time when you take back control of the flesh and you hand it over to the Spirit and you let Him guide your lives. He's gonna give you power over what you've struggled with in the flesh through the Spirit. Fasting feeds the spirit and it starves the flesh. Take back control. 21 days to take back control. Jonah 3, 1 through 10. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. The king, he humbled himself. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Fasting and prayer can change the mind of God. Fasting and prayer changes things. Don't just coast through this 21 days and think, ah, don't just go through the motions. If you've done a fast before, if you've done a 21 days of fasting and prayer before, go into it with the mindset that God is gonna listen and hear and things are going to change and begin to declare God's worth over your life, over your family's life, over the, the life of your church. Begin to declare his word over each and every area. And watch how he begins to move and change things. We fast in the natural realm, but it changes things in the unseen realm. It changes things in the spiritual when we give up the physical. He hears us. Back to 1 Corinthians. We're going to close it out here. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 10. 
When Timothy comes, don't intimidate him. He's doing the Lord's work just as I am. Don't let anyone treat him with contempt. Send him on his way with your blessing. When he returns to me, I expect him to come with other believers. Now about our brother Apollos, I urged him to visit you with the other believers, but he was not willing to go right now. He will see you later when he has the opportunity. Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. You know that Stephanos and his household were the first of the harvest of believers in Greece, and they're spending their lives in service to God's people. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to submit to them and others like them who serve with such devotion. We submit to our spiritual leaders who serve with devotion. I am very glad that Stephanos and Fortunatus and Achaicus have come here. They have been providing the help you weren't here to give me. He's not guilting them there. He's saying that you couldn't be there for me, but they were able to come. You were able to send them on your behalf. He's not guilt tripping them there. They have been a wonderful encouragement to me as they have been to you. You must show your appreciation to all who serve so well. Worship team, you guys can come up as we're getting ready to close out here. This is part of the vision I have for us here at Revival is that when we plant churches in the future, I'm declaring it right now, we're going to plant other churches. And when we plant them, we'll share people. We'll send people to encourage and we'll receive people to be encouraged. And we'll continue to raise up leaders in the kingdom. Because that's what he's called us to do. And out of this season of prayer and fasting, there's going to be people within our church, within our family, who know and hear loudly and clearly that God is opening a door for them to step through into that next level of ministry, into that next level of leadership, into that next level of commitment to God's family. So listen over these next 21 days to what he is saying and what he is calling you to. Verse 19. The churches here in the province of Asia send greetings in the Lord as do Aquila and Priscilla and all the others who gather in the home for church meetings. All the brothers and sisters here send greetings to you. Greet each other with Christian love. Really greet each other with a holy kiss. I know some of us today, we get a little weirded out by that, but we need to be together. That's why we're not going to be an online church. We're not going to be an online community, and there's nothing against those. But when we're here together, there's nothing like it. And that's why we still do that old-fashioned greeting time. I know some people are like, you know, some of these new churches are kind of doing away with that. They're like, oh, people don't want to do that. I'm sorry, Paul commanded that. I'm being nice and not making you kiss each other on the cheek, all right? You're welcome. Some of you are like, I kind of want to kiss that girl over there. Don't do that, all right? I saw you, you single guys, all right, don't do that. We're going to greet each other and love each other, and we're going to be in community with each other, and we're going to go, and we're going to take this same revival that's happening here, and we're going to go, and we're going to plant it in Waterloo. As long as God has that door open, we're going to believe by faith that he's called us to go and spread the church, to take it to every corner of this world. Wherever he opens a door for us, we will be obedient and walk forward. Verse 21, here's my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Our Lord come. It's all nice, lovey-dovey. If you don't love the Lord, you're cursed, by the way. But we've talked about that before. You get to choose. You get to choose whether you live under the blessing or the curse. 
What, what they had in Corinth were people that were trying to tear apart the church for their own selfish desires and their own gain and what they wanted and what they wanted to try and build up, their own kingdoms. And he said, let that person be accursed. They're not living under the blessing. They're not living under my house, surrendered to me fully. So let that person be accursed. We live and walk in the unity of the Holy Spirit in this house. And we live under the blessing because of it. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Our Lord, come. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Church, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. His grace empowers us to walk forward. Let's stand up, church. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, this year, we're declaring right now, this, this is the year of your favor. This is the year that we choose to walk under the blessing in the house. We choose to leave the old behind, to die to the flesh, to walk by the Spirit, that your Holy Spirit would guide our lives. We declare it right now. And when we leave this place, we're walking forward by faith into this season of prayer and fasting, believing that you are going to hear us and you are going to change things supernaturally that looked hopeless, that we thought there was no chance. You're going to change the hearts and minds of people who were far from you as we go to prayer and intercede for them. We're going to see the miraculous take place this year. We're going to see healings happen that people said, those people are dead, their death sentence is signed and sealed, and you're going to move in a new way, and we're going to see the miraculous open as you listen to your people. God, we're believing this year that we're going to be a part of things, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. And when we declare your word, it is your word that changes things in the supernatural. It changes things in the unseen. And people's lives are going to be revived, brought back from the brink of death spiritually, physically, emotionally. Those who thought they had no hope are going to find hope in your son this year. Revival is coming. We declare it right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.